0: I'm Steve Torano. Welcome to Body Performance, the podcast designed to help you reach your weight loss, fitness, and bodybuilding goals. Today is going to be One Shot Wednesday. That means I'm doing this one shot, no edits. I just don't have enough time to edit the finished product because I've got a lot more questions and a lot more information I need to cover. First two questions I got from Instagram or from Science Guy. He asks about supersetting and high-intensity interval training. Both are great questions. Let me answer them. I like high-intensity interval training. Most people do cardio that's too easy. And most people think in terms of doing cardio so they can lose body fat. And they're always worried about raising their heart rate out of their fat-burning or heart-rate zone. So it's one of those things that's a catch-22. You want to do cardio. You want to do cardio long enough so you can elevate your heart rate. And then you want to do it for a sufficient enough time so you burn a sufficient enough amount of calories, a decent amount of calories, so it adds to your weight loss goals. The problem is this. Most people are so obsessed about elevating their heart rate out of their fat burning zone that they never do hard, intense cardio. And remember, hard, intense cardio is designed to improve your cardiovascular performance. So getting out of breath is an important thing when it comes to improving your cardiovascular performance. You put stress on the cardiovascular system, and then you're able to come back and perform better. This is one thing that people don't understand. When you watch people doing cardio in the aerobics room or in the biking room, they're always checking their pulse, checking their neck as if they're ready to drop over dead and I want to tell them it's important that your heart rate gets elevated. It's important that you get out of breath. It is important that you have to slow down and catch your breath. This is why I like high-intensity interval training. Now, high-intensity interval training for you might be different uh, for me, might be different for somebody else. Somebody who's out of shape, that might be going from a slow walk to a fast walk that gets them out of breath or somebody that goes from a jog to a run or somebody that goes from a run to a sprint but any type of high intensity interval training is great because it stresses the cardiovascular system allowing you to perform better so i don't care if you're running 10 miles and you run the first mile slow the second mile faster the third mile slower or you go outside and do uh, a quarter mile to warm up, and then you do 10 wind sprints. Or you're jogging, and then you you know, run like hell for 15 seconds to the next stop sign, and then you walk a little bit, catch your breath, and then start jogging again. Any mix of those things works. The trick with high-intensity interval training is you just got to sort of push it to the point where you're out of breath. And the more out of breath you are, and the longer you can sustain that, the more the cardio will benefit you. And then when you do cardiovascular activity again, what will happen is you will have improved your cardiovascular performance. So now you can train at a higher level at a faster pace without elevating your heart rate. Sort of what I said in one of my prior episodes about somebody taking the stairs. They're not going to elevate their heart rate, but once their heart rate is elevated, it can stay at a higher heart rate or beats per minute for a longer period of time without getting out of breath. So I definitely think high intense uh, interval training is is very good. It's important. I think you should do it. I think you should incorporate it into your workout, whether you do it once a week, once every other week, however you do it. But I definitely think it's it's very good and it's very important. Second question is supersetting. I'm not a big fan of supersetting, even though Arnold talks about it in his book, Education of a Bodybuilder. I'm not crazy about it, and here's why. If you're looking to get as big and as strong as possible, it means you're going to have to handle heavy weight. And after you handle heavy weight, you need rest for your body and your muscles to regenerate ATP, so you can then use that molecule, ATP, and more importantly, creatine phosphate, to lift again. But if you lift with one exercise or you do one exercise and then you save a little for your second exercise or your superset, you're just not going to be able to lift as heavy on the second exercise as you do on the first exercise or you save a little bit on the first exercise so you're not really lifting as heavy and as hard as you can because you got to do a second exercise. I'm not crazy about that. I like the idea of doing straight sets. You handle as much weight for as many reps as you can, then you rest, and then you do it again. If you have to, like again, hold back a little bit because you have The second exercise coming up, you're not going to get as big or as strong. There's nothing wrong with that, but I'm just talking about if you want to handle as much weight and get as big and as strong as possible, straight sets are much better. If you're just trying to blast through your workout because you got a short time and and you got to get your workout in and out, nothing wrong with supersetting. But remember this, if you superset, you're not going to be able to handle as much weight. And if you incorporate it into your workout on a regular basis, your maximum strength is going to go down. So if you bench press and then do flies, nothing wrong with that. But if you do that for a couple weeks, you're not going to be able to handle as much weight on the bench press and your bench press is probably going to go down. Great way to mix it up, but I would not make that my mainstay of training. Next question is from the Mask Hunter. He asks about intermittent fasting, and he's talking about calories in versus calories out. Now, there's a lot of good information or new information that's out about intermittent fasting, and we've always been taught, oh my gosh, we want to eat on a regular basis. But now studies are showing that intermittent fasting does actually help with weight loss, as as would any type of calorie restriction. But it also has shown recently that it it does help the body, and more accurately, it does help with the genome as well as chromosomes, and it helps prevent deterioration. As strange as that sounds, it helps prevent chromosomes from unraveling, so it gives your chromosomes and therefore the cells a longer lifespan by being a little hungry, hence intermittent fasting, going for a little longer period of time to allow you to become slightly hungry, put your body under a certain amount of stress, which again causes the chromosomes to deteriorate less fast, and in some cases, it almost causes chromosomal repair. I just listened to a great podcast by Tom Billieu on this, and he had some brain surgeon on. It was very, very interesting. The challenge was even the brain surgeon said, man, I can't last 14, 16 hours. I just get too hungry. So the brain surgeon or the research scientist, PhD said, listen, I just try to go a little longer between meals. So instead of 14 hours of fasting, he says, I go maybe five or six meals or five or six hours without eating. And then I eat, and then I just eat smaller meals. So it creates the same effect. So I don't don't have to wait for 12, 14, 18 hours before I eat. Like most people, he says, I just can't handle it and I just get too grumpy and mean and then my energy begins to decline. So these are some of the things that uh, are very interesting when it comes to, you know, weight loss, fitness, as well as real true health. I'll give you another fact about, a couple facts about eating, and these are backed up by years and years of science. Some of the healthiest diets include a diet that is calorie restricted, meaning they've shown this in mice and they've also shown this in people, that if you eat a calorie restricted diet on an ongoing basis, meaning you always have that sense of hunger, it extends the life expectancy of, the, of whoever's doing it. And they think it's probably a combination of free radicals or lack of free radicals that are being generated through digestion, lower body temperature, all sorts of things. But again, it's a hard lifestyle to live. So if you're interested, eating less will help extend your lifespan and also make you healthier. Number two, One of the healthiest diets you could possibly have, and again, this is proven in a ton of scientific research, and if you want to read a great book, it's called Eat to Live by Dr. Joel Fuhrman, and he said, and this is really amazing, that there's a direct correlation between protein intake, protein of any kind, protein intake, and cancer and heart disease. That includes fish, chicken, or beef. And that means, when I say fish, I mean seafood. And it's for a number of reasons, not just because there are saturated fats in, in animals and things like that, but because of pesticides, because of chemicals, things of that nature. And through 800 studies, they showed throughout the entire planet, there was a direct correlation in societies that had Less meat and less cancer and less heart disease. So if they ate less meat, they had fewer chances or fewer incidences of heart disease as well as cancer. And in those cultures that didn't eat any meat, they had no cancer and no heart disease. Pretty compelling information. Can I live by that? Hell no, man. There is something about a filet mignon and a hamburger I just can't do without. But I'm just throwing it out there. And it is definitely hard to maintain your weight if you're not throwing in meat, especially if you're not a big veggies guy where you can't eat things like beans and legumes. It's definitely harder. But those are the facts. And finally, the third diet that is probably one of the healthiest is regardless of what you eat, if you make it at home, it is healthier than if you ate it at a restaurant just that's just the way it is only because restaurants use crappy foods they don't prepare foods that are healthy they prepare, prepare foods that taste good and sell well I always ask people would you rather have a pizza franchise or a health food franchise guide with pizza every time because people like pizza people like hamburgers but most people don't like health food next question is from amon b12 or Amon b12 his workout is similar to mine my workout is chest and triceps on. Monday, legs Tuesday, back Wednesday, shoulders Thursday, biceps Friday, sneaking calves and abs when you can. He wants to know if you miss a body part, do you carry it over to the next day? In other words, if you're doing shoulders on Thursday and you miss them, do you include them with your bicep workout on Friday? And the question is, is it depends on how you feel. If you've got the energy, by all means, do shoulders and, and biceps. If you don't have the energy, It's not that big a deal. You can do shoulders the following week. Or if you want, you can do an abbreviated workout of shoulders and and an abbreviated workout of biceps. It's not that big a deal, especially when you're training five days a week and you're training hard. So you missed shoulders. Well, they got hit with bench, incline bench, dumbbell flies. They got hit, believe it or not, with back, pull downs, T-bar rows, uh, close grip, cables, that kind of stuff. So again, if you miss a body part, it's not going to be that big a deal. It's not going to end your day. Either do it the following day or just skip it and, you know, do it next week. He also asks about stretching after a workout. And that's important. It it definitely helps keep you limber. But becoming overly muscular doesn't necessarily limit your range of motion. I've seen guys who are incredibly muscular who have tremendous flexibility. Look at a lot of these MMA guys. They're kicking each other in the face and they're pretty big. Flexibility comes and is maintained through consistent stretching. Like everything else, if you don't do it, you lose it. There was a guy who was a Muay Thai guy in the gym and I asked him, how many times a week do you stretch? He goes, I stretch twice a day. So stretching like everything else or flexibility like everything else is something that you keep by maintaining it and by doing it. Craig's got a question and he asked about a sugary drink after a workout if you're still trying to lose weight. And that's what he's trying to do. He's losing weight, but he's wondering if he should still have a sugary drink. And he'd said that he incorporated the calories from that sugary drink into his total calorie intake for the day. And if you're losing weight And you're having a sugary drink at the end of your workout, by all means, have at it. It's probably going to help your workout if you're training intensely. It's going to help you recover from that workout. So even though you're dieting, hopefully as you're going to the gym day after day, week after week, you don't hit that point where you just feel so punky, you don't want to do it anymore. He also asks about the calories needed to maintain muscles versus the calories needed for daily life and getting hungry. Well, when I was talking about protein intake, I'm talking about the amount of protein in grams, whether it's 50 or 60 grams of protein a day, which is the USDA recommended amount of protein, or where it's two or 300 grams of protein a day. There's a difference between the amount of food you need to maintain your muscularity or to build one pound of muscle and the amount of calories you're going to need to maintain your metabolism and your body weight throughout the day and to prevent you from getting hungry. Two different things. So if you're getting hungry, that means, number one, you're probably burning calories. You're in a calorie deficit. So that means even though it's only a few calories every hour, you are losing weight. But again, think in terms of how much food you're eating... Are you losing weight? And don't think in terms of, oh, God, how much protein protein am I taking in? Don't don't worry too much about that because everything nowadays is, is fortified with protein. There's protein in, obviously, the fish, chicken, and beef that you might be eating. There's protein in the milk, the eggs, the cheese. Um, vegetables are loaded with protein. So as long as you're losing weight don't worry about protein. Everybody is getting enough protein. What they're not getting is enough time in the gym. Craig also asked this great question about training volume. How do you calculate the appropriate amount of training or training volume? Do you take your reps times your sets times your weight? And he gives an example or asks the question, is three sets of 10, is that going to give you the same result as 10 sets of three? And the answer is, unfortunately, no. Now, there's a lot of factors that come into play when we're answering this question. The first thing is what kind of shape somebody is in and how hard are they training or how hard are they able to train? If you do three sets of 10, and these are 10 reps that are hard, so you did three hard working sets of 10 reps, great. And then you move on to the next exercise. That's not quite the same as 10 sets of three intense reps. Let me put some numbers to these examples so you can see what I'm talking about. The three sets of 10, let's say you do three sets of 10 with 200 pounds. 10 times 200 is 2,000 pounds during your first set. And you do that three times, that's a total of 6,000 pounds you've lifted. And depending on your conditioning, that's probably pretty hard. But in the next example of 10 sets of three reps, if you do three reps with 200 pounds, that doesn't seem very hard if you can get 10. And then you do another set of three reps with 200 pounds. And then you do another set of three reps with 200 pounds until you get to 10 sets. Again, that's 6,000 pounds. And you might be tired by the end of the day, but in my opinion, it's just not quite the same as a decent balance of weight and reps. And if you take an example like that to the extreme, if you had five pounds and you curled it 20 times, that's 100 pounds, but not very hard. But now let's say you had 20 pounds, and you curled it five times, that's 100 pounds. But if you were doing that weight with one hand, 20 pounds would be a lot more difficult to complete five times than let's say five pounds 20 times. Again, a lot of this is sort of based on what kind of workout you're doing, what kind of shape you're in. And again, it's sort of a subjective argument, like how many angels can dance on the head of a pin, which is better? It's not a bad way of training or getting an idea of how much weight you've lifted during your workout to figure out how well your training is going and if your performance is improving. But it's also one of those things where You have to take some things into consideration. Like a lot of guys will ask me, if you spend more than 90 minutes in the gym, are you wasting time? I hear that from guys in the gym. If you spend more than 90 minutes or an hour and a half in the gym, you're just not being effective. You're not doing everything you need to do. Well, sometimes you need to spend an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and 30 minutes in the gym. Just being in the gym doesn't necessarily mean you're wasting time, nor does it mean you're actually lifting. You spend whatever time you need in the gym to get through your workout. It's a light workout. You might have a shorter time in the gym. If it's a hard workout and you need more rest in between sets because you're lifting more weight, so your workout takes an hour and a half or an hour and 15 minutes. The important thing is not the time you spend in the gym. It's what you do with that time. That's that's the important thing. That's what makes the difference. Not these generalized numbers like oh, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't spend time in the gym too much, more than 50 minutes. uh, It's a waste of time. Like the whole oh, if your toes are pointed out versus if your toes are pointed in, if your legs are uh, this far apart, all these stupid things that people come up with somehow to give themselves a purpose or to give themselves meaning when it comes to the gym. It's all garbage. Get into the gym, lift your weight, be done with it. Craig also asked this very good question. Does it take more than 48 hours for recovery and growth after a workout or do you need more or should you wait less? Again, I've read a lot of stuff, and they say 48 hours after that, there is no more muscle repair occurring, and I'm going to go, whoa, hang on. It depends on what kind of condition you're in. It depends on how hard you've trained. It depends on a lot of things. I've trained my body parts one time a week. So that means once every seven days, I would train a body part. But if you trained it hard enough, it's enough to last those seven days, especially if you're training all the other body parts hard as well. If you train chest and triceps hard on Monday or whatever it is you do, Tuesday, you're kind of sore. Wednesday, you're sore. Thursday, you're sore. So we're looking at at least 72 hours hours there. Plus, you're also training back, shoulders, and other body parts. So you can't just arbitrarily throw a number at it. You can say as a general rule, it might take 48 to 72 hours. But again, you take somebody who's brand new, they train on Monday. They might still be so sore on Wednesday or Thursday, they can't move. They need more time for recovery and repair. You take somebody who's training really hard. They've done extra sets, extra reps, extra exercises. They might need more than 48 or 72 hours to recover. And again, also, are you sleeping? Are you eating? All these things come into play. But if you're training really, really hard... You're going to need recovery, even if it's cardio. Intense cardio is very, very demanding on the body. That's why it's incredibly hard to run marathons back to back. And when somebody does that, a marathon on Monday, a marathon on Tuesday, or even a marathon on Saturday, and then another marathon the following Saturday, that is an an incredible accomplishment because it's so taxing and so hard on the body. On my next episode, we're going to talk about keto, keto diet, caveman diet, low carb diet, whatever you want to call it. I'm Steve Tarano, and this is Body Performance.